every episode of Final Space. 23 fans, storyboard artists, producers, composers, animators, designers, voice actors. Welcome to Volume 3 of the Into Final Space Podcast, hosted by Gabe Jones. We're back with another episode of Into Final Space. Today we're chatting about Season 2, Episode Number 5, The Notorious Mrs. Goodspeed. I'm excited to welcome someone brand new to Into Final Space today. My fan Chexian Christopher and I are joined by the wonderful storyboard artist Nicole Chen. Let's get right into it. Before we hop in, unlike our usual intro, Nicole and Christopher wanted to hop right into a conversation. And this is probably the deepest episode of Into Final Space we've had so far. So I hope you guys really enjoy. I'm going to dive right into the themes behind this episode and a little bit into uh, Nicole's history in the art world. So yeah, enjoy this episode. Um, like searching... So searching for purpose within a group and yeah. uh, feeling whenever like you got that spot in that group, feeling threatened, um, people start reacting in weird ways because they, they do feel threatened and like there's no physical threat to them, but like you like feel, you, you feel like I feel whenever uh, it looks like someone that we love is paying less attention to us. It's like, wait, I'm afraid of losing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to fill the void in my, the way I saw it. Like, and it was perfect because every single character, even at the start with the the winters, mm-hmm. like because of uh, Melanie, skinwalking whatever, he he's made Gary his whole like void to fill because of his wife's gone missing whatever, and then that as a whole kicked off the entire thing from a running gag straight into this story arc of just pure raw emotion and very, very, very humanity-like. For even Gary's haiku, like, the whole thing is just him going, I'm in pain, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, uh, I think when when you're younger, it's difficult to see how uh, something can become your driving force for the rest of your life. Because, like, that guy could have kept his kids um, in school and just done a single dad thing. But instead he pulled them out of school and went on a manhunt. And I don't know where that <laughs> would ever take those kids, but like, yeah. because but that they, was... they, they still consider Gary, their mother, like it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean like, a lot he's of like that stay is, in school kids. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of that is um, just like the snappy humor writing. Like if yeah. you haven't noticed, um, Olin is extremely good at like just very funny, snappy one-liners. Oh, so, oh yeah, even, for sure. Even, even with the arm, it's like, oh, I tell, like, it's a long story. I wore his mother's skin. Wait, wait, no, that's it. That's the whole story. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. So, like, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's there's a lot of story that can be conveyed in like a really snappy one-liner, but also um, you you get to see more of that. Uh, with the crew itself. Mm. That's uh, what I mean. Like, when I first started watching it, like, initially I was just like, oh, cool, this is like just a light-hired animated thing, whatever. And then by the end of, end of season one, uh, I'll just say, my friend described it as feels. You just got feels. Like, you're like, dude, what? Like, yeah, like every, I mean, and I love the fact that it just builds up and, 
eventually you get the whole picture. Like it's just, it's really, it's really cleverly written in my opinion. And that's why I was saying with yourself that you got the creative uh, perceptive control to initially bring that to life visually. Yeah. Um, thanks. Yeah, it is very fun. Uh, and the show definitely goes against a lot of safe Hollywood tropes. Yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> so like it um it makes it a much more interesting watch cuz um well I think know, that's why people like like it so much and that's why it stands out so much because it's not norm it breaks the barriers and it questions other things you know like it makes you question yourself sometimes like you even said about um your own friend group and stuff and what sort of person you feel like you are in that group and what you bring to it mm-hmm. like it makes you relate to your own life and you know, it's just very, it's very thought-invoking. Yeah, and like you also get to see that with uh, Gary from season one to season two, because like within season one, I would say Gary is very much like he's the funny guy. He doesn't make mm. big decisions. He's the funny guy. Um, but when Quinn ends up stepping up for him, mm-hmm. um, is season two, he's got to start figuring out, um, like his role can't always be the funny guy, right? Right. Yeah, he had to he had to step up because he, he kept calling himself the captain even when he was a prisoner. He's like, I am the captain. So eventually, I think he like realized, yeah. oh, I, I've got to be the captain because you could you could hardly let Kevin be the captain. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he also got um, he got a very strong uh, friend that could have been captain, like avocado for season one. Yeah. He's got a lot of drive and direction and like avocado could have done uh, a lot, but I feel like he actually, he brought Gary to the next level, like with his uh, friendship and with his demise. Yeah. Like Gary, like he, he influenced Gary and changed him to a better person. I think yeah. anyway. Uh, I would agree with that. And it's the same thing with Quinn, because like he he sent her so many uh, messages with this idea of who she was. And then when he actually met her, she was completely different. And I feel feel like that's like a lot of ways, you know, when you like you see someone, even someone famous, you're like, oh, that person, but you get such a different version and you like meet them. They could be completely different. Which is uh, don't judge a book by its cover, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, but like uh, even Gwen too is an extremely driven person, and she, um, yeah, she's like she she had a mission, whereas like Gary, more had a destiny that he wasn't informed of. Mm. So um, yeah, Quinn went really hard on committing to that mission, and part of that uh, ends up, you know, making Gary think about stepping up more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the um, you know the scene where they go to that uh, like mad space guy and they bring Gary to his father and stuff. I think that was another aspect where like you know the father figure and he's like, "Listen, son, I'm proud of you, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. This is this is what this is what actually happened. I was actually saving the world. Now it's your turn to save the world. I think Gary he really just felt abandoned because he thought his dad had just had an accident and then his mom did all that stuff and just disappeared. So I feel like that took a lot from Gary. And then when he got back, when he got to speak, finally get some closure per se. And I yeah. think I think that was the big contrast of this episode as opposed to that, is that he got his closure and he got his clarity from his dad. And he was expecting that from his mother. 
and she completely took advantage of him. Well, I think a large part of that is like anytime any child or adult recognizes or realizes that where they were very much raised in a broken home and mm. what they, you know, it takes a long time for someone to realize that because when you're a kid, you just accept things like, oh, this is just how things are. So it's only when you get to become an adult that you and you're forced as a kid even to make adult decisions that you start realizing this is not how I wanted things to be. And um, I, don't, I think that's really hard. Like, that's really, really tough. And it's really tough to watch him have to come to terms with his idea of what a mom is. Yeah. And what he wanted a mom to be and who his mom actually is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like your perception of who a person is changes so much from when you're a little kid to when you're an adult. And it influences you as well when you're that young, you know? Oh, absolutely. And additionally, um, even if you get, you see evidence that things are not that way, that his mom is not the, the loving, take him to soccer, practice bacon cookies kind of mom. She's more like, hey, let's commit a robbery. <laughs> yeah, hey, kid, how do you feel about doing a crime? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, like that, that, that uh, you know, they're only, they were only stealing it back, though. They were only stealing it back. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> sure. But, like, it was stolen in the first place. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm joking. Lie. <laughs> 100%. I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> but, like, that's uh, wanting somebody to be a certain way and then having to come to terms with who they actually are is a very tough, like, real life thing. And, and the same thing with uh, when they had the conversation with Gary's mom at the end of season two, like you, you can keep hunting um, after your husband who you love very much. I would even say loved, uh, loved more than Gary, mm. or you can think about what you've actually got in front of you. So like a large part of that is uh, living in the past or just, really just staying frustrated at something that isn't true because you want it so badly to be true. Hence the haiku. <laughs> yeah. And like when uh, he's literally like abandoned as a kid, there's a lot of um, uh, emotional um, development that you miss out on. Mm. At like, people keep doing throughout their whole life but without an actual like consistent guiding force it's very it's extremely hard to do on your own like yeah, without someone to yeah without someone to ask advice for yeah that's the thing with Moonpig. i feel like he's uh he's carried like confidant but all you can say is chuckity <laughs> and they have he had avocado and then that's like you know what i mean so like gary's very much off shouldering everything on by himself at the moment i feel yeah, I mean, he's shouldering a lot of it on his own, but I also feel like he hasn't had a lot of teamwork experience when he meets mm. Avocado. That's his first time that he gets to um, experience, like, first of all, he was so desperate for a friend. And <laughs> uh, second of all, like, uh, just being able to do teamwork with someone. And he saw uh, towards the end of season one, even, he was trying to make a lot of decisions by himself. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. he's season two he's definitely 
getting more comfortable with the idea of teamwork and leading a team. And, you know, he's still very new to it, but he's working but on what, it. That's what I feel like. He was thrust into it. Like, he was just like a teenager, just acting the magus, having a bit of fun, just after a cookie or two. And then all this just stuff happened to him. He was just serving a sentence and then boom. <laughs> Yeah, and like now he's a single dad. What what can we do about that? Yeah, a, a single surrogate dad, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, little Cato's a bit insane as well, you know. You can see he's got a bit of bit of juvenile delinquency in him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the same time, if you look at Avocado, um, I think Avocado was definitely trying his best, but but he was also a badass mercenary like murderer. <laughs> yeah, so like he didn't really exactly have a fully stable home for Lil Kato to like get his bearings in. Mm. So he's just he's definitely idolized his dad hardcore. Yeah, but on the flip side, Avocado betrayed um what the main guy he was working for. Oh, his name Lord right Commander? Yeah, the Lord Commander for his son as opposed to Gary's mother did the opposite. So you can see a big contrast there. Yeah, I mean the. I think we would. There is a specific way that we would want all parents to act in media because it feels good. So seeing <laughs> that direct, it does. It does. Like we oh, always yeah, want yeah. to have this idea that parents will always care for their kids and parents will always make that decision in their best interest. But sometimes it's just not the case. Exactly. You can't. It's not Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, having that variety, I think, at least sparks more conversation, especially for people that don't live up, uh, live in the perfect... See, I can't say Disney home because Disney keeps killing all their uh, characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But um, how did you actually get started in this? Because like I said, I was like, are you like writing and stuff? Mm, um, I was always into anime and manga, but like I said, I'm terrible at it. And it's just uh, so cool that you can just like, oh, here's a few words. We want you to put some pictures towards this um, and come back to us. Is that the way it works? uh, It kind of is. For storyboarding, you have to study a lot of cinematography. I studied draftsmanship with an ex uh, Warner Brothers cleanup artist named Sheldon Bornstein uh, from the age of 13 all the way through college. So I had a lot of practice. Yeah, a good mentor. Yeah, finding a good mentor is very, very important, especially for like your own development and guidance. Um, You, I don't know, uh, it's been over 10 years of me drawing and then it takes like a year or so. Uh, Okay, let me start over. It's been over 10 years of learning how to do draftsmanship drawing. Um, and that was with my mentor from middle school through high school. And then I went to college at San Jose State University, which uh, is a very draftsmanship focused drawing program. Uh, it was about five years. And at the end, I found out that storyboarding was a thing. So the last year, I just studied up a lot on cinematography. And then uh, I just kept testing and testing. And uh, trying to build your portfolio while you're in the post art school depression slump is tough, but like <laughs> hopefully you've gotten uh, some stuff that you can use uh, while you are in school, and then you just keep sending it around. Uh, there's listings. You network with people and figure out whenever there's openings. Um, you just keep on applying. 
Like you keep applying and you keep showing your portfolio and you just have to like close your eyes and just shotgun everything because it's tough getting your first job because nobody just knows you. And a lot of what people look for are, are you good to work with? Like your skill set is very, very important, but your ability to work with someone is even more important. So like being able to do teamwork, being able to know when to like really hang on to an idea because you want it to be there. And other times where you're like, eh, okay, like it doesn't happen. Mm. So yeah, because obviously when it comes to creativity, like you obviously have to be able to give and take and stuff. Like no, no, no one can be like bullheaded on it or else mm -hmm. the project just won't get there. Oh, and even if it does, it's not going to get there the way it should have got there. Like, everyone's happy with it. Is that, am I right with that? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, the bullheadedness depends where you are in like the chain of command, more or less. Because okay. like, if you are the one having the vote <laughs> and you are bullheaded, then it's probably going to go that way. But uh, the theory is that you hire people that you can trust. So when they express opinions, you actually can listen to them. It's not just any, you don't, you didn't just hire a rando, like you carefully thought like this person's aesthetic, taste, story sense, uh, writing ability, ability to draw, ability to have a character act out um, will add to the project. So uh, I think that is a process of hiring people you think will be able to like, get the job done and then add to the project. Okay, okay, that's sweet. So, what? How did you get yourself then? Oh, you're saying it'd be like hard to get a first job and that. Um, uh, well, what did you send in and to who, if you don't mind me asking, of course? Okay. Um, so, for Final Space, uh, I had a friend that was working at Shadow Machine and she worked on Bojack. And I'm Horseman, yeah. Yeah, Bojack Horseman. Okay. Uh, that's also done in the same building as Final Space. <laughs> um, awesome. So I knew her, I knew her for a couple of years already and she knew I was looking for work and she got me uh, like a one month term gig at Shadow Machine for a completely different project that it was okay. for family. We were doing storyboard oh, cleanup. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but like it was very short term thing, like the main studio um, that usually does it. Uh, just like time their schedule a little bit wrong. So we got hired to do extra work. And that was my first in-studio or my second in-studio job. And then six months after that, I kept on emailing the line producer. Uh, and he said, oh yeah, there's a project coming up in February. Uh, email me then. And then sure. I did and I got a test and I took the test and I turned it in. And then I got uh, offered the job. What was awesome. the test? What was the test? Oh, so the test is they uh, they give you character sheets and then they give you some script and they say boarded. Oh right, okay. Very nice. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah. So awesome. when you when you say boarded, like would you have a big board on your wall or whatever, <laughs> and then you literally like put it up or what? What has that go? Uh, for me, um, it helps if I have the script printed out and then I can sit down and write down shot lists and do like thumbnail sketches and then i open up storyboard pro and then i start doing drawings based on that with like the idea of what someone is saying and like what i want to convey with each shot with the idea of like keeping the next shot in mind there's a lot of film theory that okay. goes into it um <laughs> that if you watch like uh the every frame of painting videos uh they're very good for explaining uh some aspects of film theory 
but yeah, you just want to make sure that like everything makes sense at the end. Um, and, uh, my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now, uh, I would show him stuff without telling him anything about it and see if he could follow along the full story. And if he could without it, yeah, <laughs> with it being do like, it. <laughs> generally correct, um, then it would be like, okay, I think this is good because that's what you want to be able to convey with Boris is visually tell a story without having to rely too much on dialogue. Because okay. that way it just Wait. adds to the dialogue and like it supports it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for uh for hopping on the show and talking to us today. No worries, Gabe. Thank you for yeah. having us. Yeah, thank Honestly, you for organizing great, this. Great, great chat. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in and sitting down with Christopher and me as we chatted with Nicole. Make sure you hop on over to the Into Funnel Space Discord server and chat with us after you give this episode a listen. For more on the podcast, follow Into Funnel Space on Instagram and Twitter, and you can give me a follow at Gabriel W. Jones on Instagram and Twitter as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Into Final Space. Thanks, guys.